The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, there we go. Uh, welcome to another edition of Round Ball Stew. I am your host today, Jared Johnson, subbing in for the great Matt Strout. And I am joined today by Noah Rubin. So it's draft guide season, y'all. Uh, I mean, not for purchasing it, but for putting it together. Uh, I spent the past few weeks writing about <laughs> 30 pages of player news and notes. And uh, today I just kind of wanted to highlight some of the takeaways that both Noah and I have found uh, while going through all this data. So uh, let's get right into it. Let's start in Chicago. I want to talk about Lonzo Ball, who was a, he was a top 30 player on a per game basis last year. Uh, 13 points, 5.4 rebounds, 5.1 assists, 3.1 triples, 1.8 steals, 0.9 blocks, and just 2.3 turnovers per game. Uh, however, he only made it through 35 games. And the way he went down last year was particularly concerning to me. Uh, because he had an arthroscopic knee procedure, which is like typically the least invasive kind of surgery. Typically, guys get back, you know, four to six, four to eight weeks. Uh, he was given a six to eight week timetable. And um, there's been reports this offseason, six months past surgery, that he might not be ready for the start of the year. Now, like this is a guy that we all know. You know, he's a stud when he's out there. He's a, he's a fantasy stud. There's no denying that. But his ability to stay on the floor has just been a serious issue throughout his career. Um, you know, he's, he's only had really one healthy season and only twice in, in five years in the league has he been available for every game in March. Not good. Not good for fantasy hoops. Uh, so when I was, like, putting this together, I was pretty low on him. Uh, and then I checked the Yahoo ranks. Now, the Yahoo ranks could change between now and as we approach the draft season. Um, but he's 55, Noah. He's ranked 55. That is very little of a discount. Like, I understand that he was a top 30 player. Like, was he really, though? Was he really? And I don't know. Just just if, if his rank is 55, I don't think I'm interested I don't think I'm interested this year. How, how do you feel about uh, Mr. Lonzo Ball? Yeah, at 55, that's just insane to me. Like, yeah. I I can't imagine taking him that early or even within the few rounds after just because of the way that the knee has progressed or really not progressed over the course of the summer. We finally got an update about a month ago that actually used the word, hey, the knee is progressing. Before that, it was, we have no idea why. But it's just not getting better. So that that six to eight week timetable you mentioned, it just it's laughable at this point. I mean, yeah. he's phenomenal when he's out there, and he's he fits in really well with Chicago and what they want to do. Uh, but it's is he going to be out there? We have no idea. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, maybe we'll get more clarity as we get to you know training camp and stuff. But you know, if he, if he's 
at all limited at training camp, that's going to be extremely concerning for me. Like this is a surgery right. that happened a really long time ago at this point. Like he should, he should be fine. Um, I kind of wanted, so because of this, like I like Alex Caruso as a late round target, you know, he's had health, he's had trouble staying healthy too, but this is a guy that you can get in the late round. Um, have you ever really delved into Io Dasunmu? Cause I, was really low on him when I was writing his his outlook just because of all the stuff that's going on. Like when this team is healthy, I don't know. Like even if Lonzo Ball is out, but if Alex Caruso's there, who's who's gonna start between those two? I mean the crazy thing is it could end up being Goran Dragic because I think that's true. That's so true. who knows what Chicago opts to do. I mean Caruso and uh Desumu both are excellent defenders, so they'll be on the floor, but it just depends on how much because Lonzo Ball is also a really good defender. So for Chicago, they're in a great spot because whoever's healthy is going to be able to play defense really well, and they have plenty of scoring, obviously, in other areas. But who they end up starting with, I don't know. But I do really like Desumu. Uh There was the quote, I think, from Kendall Gill yeah. uh, where he said that he just improves every single season, and he's been watching him since he was playing AAU. So could definitely see him continuing to progress how much more i don't know is it enough to start at point guard if lonzo's out i guess we'll just have to see maybe hopefully by training camp we'll kind of see how that plays out yeah yeah that was the blurb that caught my eye i was like oof, mm-hmm. maybe i shouldn't be so low on this guy <laughs> i mean he did show flashes it's just like you know he showed flashes when everyone was hurt and you know, as low as I am on Lonzo, I don't think he's going to miss the entire season. He'll be back at some point. Shouldn't. And, like, once that happens, how valuable is is someone like Caruso or uh, Io going to be? Um, yeah, so that's, that's Chicago. Uh, so let's head on down to Los Angeles. Uh, I believe that you brought up Norman Powell, so I was just go ahead and toss the mic to you and, and let you set that one up. Yeah, Norman Powell is really interesting. Really, the whole Clippers team is just because they're very deep and they have multiple guys at every position that can really score or just do a lot of different things. Um, last season, I believe uh, in nine, Kent Norman Powell was a top 100 guy and has been for the past three seasons. Um, the last time he wasn't was, I believe, the season that Kawhi Leonard was in Toronto and he just didn't see as many minutes, as many shots. Um, and now he's back playing with Kawhi again and Paul George and a bunch of other guys that can score. So while he's probably just looking really quickly at the the depth chart, he's probably the third best scoring option in my opinion. Yeah. So he'll still get shots, but it's got to be how many is he really getting? Because the last season Kawhi was there, he got about seven shots a game. And then last season he was shooting 13 shots a game. So what kind of role he has will just be interesting to see. Does he start? Do they bring him off the bench? Because uh, they have – also Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard at shooting guard too. So we'll have to see. And we may not even know until a few games in exactly what his role looks like, but it'll be interesting to see exactly how Tyron Lue uses all this talent that he has. Yeah. Yeah. Norman Powell. I mean, he used to be kind of a darling and I think he's turned out a little bit boring. Um, for me, it's kind of like, can he average over a steal per game? Cause he did it once. He averaged 1.2. Can he do 1.2 again? He was at, I think, one last, the past handful of years. Uh, I think it was 0.9 in the limited games with the Clippers. 
uh, last year. You know, I know that he can score upwards of 15 points. I know that he can hit three-pointers. I think he can do that efficiently. But he's going to give you like two dimes, not that many rebounds. And so for me, it's really can he can he average more than a steal per game? And if he can't, then he's basically just a top 100 player. And there's nothing wrong with taking a top 100 player when you get to the 100 range. But, you know, I feel like there's not a lot of upside uh, to Norman Powell. It would be entirely based on Paul George and Kawhi Leonard continuing to not stay healthy, which it is the Clippers. And with their injury luck the past few seasons, it wouldn't be shocking. But it's looking like right now, if everybody stays healthy, it's it's not that Norman Powell is going to be bad. He's just not going to get the opportunities that he has the past couple seasons. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, And then you also had Evisa Zubats. Yeah. Um, you know, same thing with uh, Tyron Lue last season. It's it's how much is he going to play? He played 24.4 minutes per game with Isaiah Hartenstein uh, playing about 18 a game. There was multiple games where it'd be uh, Zubats would play 23 minutes. Hartenstein would play 18. And then even when they had Serge Ibaka, he'd play seven. Like they wouldn't really play yeah. them together. But if you look at the Clippers roster right now, the only other center is Moses Brown, and he's, I believe, just on a training camp contract. Like He's not yeah. even fully guaranteed yeah. a roster spot, which he could still end up getting it. But does that mean Zubats ends up getting north of 30 minutes a game? If he can get that, I mean, that's a double-double, a block and a half, efficient shooting. That's that's much better than he has been, and it's a very solid asset. Yeah. Uh, for Zubats, it's... I understand like the allure of 30 minutes. I'm not sure right. Zubats can get 30 minutes consistently. Like if you look at the games where he did get 30 minutes is when they were going against like traditional centers. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if those guys aren't there, I'm not sure that means he's getting 30 minutes. Right. And can he average like one block a game? Can he average what a little bit more than one block a game? Yeah. Uh, then I'd be really interested. But I don't know. I'm just like kind of just like the lumbering center kind of thing. It's just how long can you have him on the floor, uh, especially when you're going up against the small ball teams because you can kind of pick them apart. But, you know, you're right. Like Moses Brown being there, there's also uh, Bob Covington who's going to get those some mm-hmm. center minutes. But still – I think that he's kind of a late round guy. You know, he's if you if you're in the late rounds and you need a big, he's certainly someone that could be there. He could definitely improve a little bit on his numbers from last year. I'm not sure it's a breakout kind of year, but definitely, you know, like a quality center that you can have on your team. Yeah. And you mentioned Covington. They'll probably try some small ball lineups with him, maybe even with Nick Batum. Who knows what Lou will do? I mean, he's great coach will try those lineups just to see if they work. So yeah, it, it may not be north of 30 minutes a game, but should be more than 24, um, which he was 10.3 points, eight and a half rebounds in a block a game in 24 minutes. So if it can get a few extra, probably bumps up his value a little bit. Can he bump up that to 1.5 blocks? That's what I would love to see. 1.5. Fingers blocks. crossed. <laughs> we'll see. Let's stick in LA. Mr. Lonnie Walker, who joined the Lakers this summer. Yeah. Last season, we saw a very similar situation uh, with L.A. signing a young shooting guard who just couldn't really figure it out with the team that drafted him in Malik Monk, signed a one-year deal with the Lakers, and had the best season of his career. Um, And 
Lonnie Walker, I believe he, uh, Malik Monk hadn't been a top 200 guy before that, but was top 150 last season. Mm-hmm. So can Lonnie Walker make that same jump in a similar role? I think it's possible. I think he's, you know, he's a, a solid defender, but you don't really see it in the stats. And I think that's kind of what he wants to bring, but he's also averaged, he averaged about 12 points a game last season. And I believe Malik Monk, the season before he went to LA was like 11 point something. Um, and then upped it to 13 and had that stretch of games where he just couldn't miss. Cause I remember because it was against the Hawks and Malik Monk <laughs> had like 30 on nine threes. And I was like, this is not the guy that's supposed to be beating us. When <laughs> it was either LeBron or Anthony Davis was out. It was just unreal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that Lonnie has potential. I, he caught my eye when that signing happened. I thought it was a good signing for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was kind of off last year. He just shot 31.4 from distance. But before that, you know, he was his career average was at 36.9. Like, I want more three-pointers from him. Like, I would like one still per game. I don't know if he can do that. But I, I do see the potential here, you know. Like, the depth chart is nothing at, at, that, <laughs> at that position. It's Austin Reeves and it's, it's Lonnie Walker. I guess yeah. THT, if you want to give him minutes there. DJA, if you want to play him out of position, like that, there's definitely opportunity there. That's a guy who I like uh, taking a flyer on. I just want, let's see if he can do a little bit more statistically, but the potential's there. Yeah. And I remember keeping up with some Spurs games last season, mostly just box score watching, but it seemed like every time he got in, he was just trying to shoot as much as he could. And every time he started, he had a yeah. big game uh, just because he would shoot every time he, he got it. So I don't know if there was something going on there with, uh, him thinking he was going to get a bigger role. And then over the years, they just drafted more and more young guards that kind of right. took his spot. So right. we'll see if the fresh start in LA can help him out. Yeah. Sometimes guys just need to change, uh, change the scenery and, and they can really uh, find their role in the NBA. Uh, let's move on to Memphis. I would like to talk about one of my favorite players in the league, Mr. Ja Durant, Ja Morant. Look, I love Ja Morant. But I just, his knee issues last year were a little bit concerning to me. Uh, It was his right knee. He injured it three times. And this is the same knee that he had arthroscopic surgery on uh, after being drafted. Um, So there's, I don't want to like freak out about one season uh, with knee issues, but it's just like the way that he plays the way that he explodes, like that's a lot of pressure on your lower extremities. And, uh, you know, the year before it was an ankle injury. And yes, he does tend to recover from this stuff way quicker than you'd anticipate. But like three times in one season, he see, his season ended with a right knee bone bruise, I believe. Um, so you you take all that into account and then you look at his, at his uh, Yahoo rank right now, which is uh, 14. That's high, man. That is, I was fine with a fourth round pick last year, even though it was like debatable whether you should have, you should have. Like, I understand second round, but if he's ranked 14, that's like early second round. And how much can he realistically improve on his top 40 campaign last season? Like his numbers were great. 27.4 points, career high, 5.7 boards, career high, 6.7 dimes, 1.5 triples, career high, 1.2 steals, career high, uh, 0.4 blocks, career high. He shot 49.3% from the floor while adding those three pointers. 
also a career high. You know, I could see him like at 30 points a game. Is he going to get much more than 1.5 triples? Maybe that's like 1.8. I think really it's going to come down to can he get to 7.5 dimes and can he get to like 1.5 steals? That's that's the only way you could really justify. He's young. He's going to take another leap. And he's going to have the ball in his hands more, assuming Jaron Jackson Jr. has to spend uh, an inordinate amount of time on the sidelines. That just means more opportunity for Ja. Dillon Brooks is also going to be healthy. He's going to be firing up shots randomly. So I, I don't know. I don't know if I – like a, a high second-round pick. How do you feel about that for King Ja? Man, it's high. I mean, it's, it's high. Especially – and you mentioned the knee injuries. It's concerning, especially when you look at – how he plays obviously right. it's so so fun to watch but it's just kind of scary for his his long-term health i mean yeah i'm sure everybody has already made the comparison of derrick rose and just watching him have an incredible season and then watching him tears acl and then it just seemed like injury after injury and obviously we really hope that doesn't happen at job but it's something i pray that, that doesn't happen exactly. no, i don't want to, even, I don't want to hear acl <laughs> I don't, yeah excuse me apologies but um <laughs> It's something that, you know, you have to consider, especially if you're taking him at 14 in the early second. It's do you right. want to spend that pick on a guy that, I mean, like you mentioned, he'd probably have to just really drop the turnovers, uh, add to the steals, the threes, a few extra assists. And it's can you expect all of that out of him just one season after having such a breakout season? I don't know. It's a lot to ask. Um, and I just – I don't know if he's able to make a leap to warrant being uh, 14 and early second. I just don't right. see it. So I touched a little bit on Jaron Jackson Jr., but um, he's dealing with a stress fracture in his foot. And that's just not an injury you ever want to hear, uh, particularly for someone like Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, with such a checkered injury history. Um, this is the same injury that derailed Brooke Lopez's career for years. And it, it's it, there's a lot of issues here. It's, it's in the foot, uh, which can be slow healing. And this is also an injury that has a high risk of setback if a player is brought back too soon. So Jaron Jackson Jr. was given a four to six month timetable. The problem with going off that is that he plays for Memphis. So <laughs> we're not going to get any updates along the way. Uh, and even in a best-case scenario, this would have him missing at least the first couple weeks of the season. In a worst-case scenario, I mean, he could be out till after Christmas, maybe even longer, if he experiences a setback. Uh, and again, Memphis is not going to update us. We could get on the way to training camp, and he, he might be really close, but we're not going to hear about it uh, until he's just about ready to play. Uh, so I think with him being out... Uh, indefinitely, essentially. Uh, Brandon Clark is the obvious name that comes to mind. Last season, per 36, he averaged 19.2 points, 9.9 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1.1 steals, and two swats per contest. Um, so he's just the obvious guy. And um, I think he's ranked uh, about 100. I'd be willing to take him about 20 picks earlier than that. I just think... I think this is the year that, that Brandon Clark could truly break out. Yeah, I mean, we really don't know when Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be back, like you mentioned. So four to six months, it 
could end up being longer than that, like you mentioned with a setback. And with the way that Memphis operates, I mean, we saw last season when John missed time, it was next man up, and they still had no problem just winning games. I don't remember exactly what the record was when jaw was out, but it was something that it, it was way too good to be like missing their guy who was in the MVP race and still have that record. Um, but if you look at Jaron Jackson jr. Actually missed four games last season, which was really surprising to me. I guess I didn't realize just how healthy he's able to stay. And one of them was the last game of the season when they rested everybody. Um, but when he didn't play Xavier Tillman actually got a couple starts, if I'm not mistaken, uh, so, sorry, he got one start and Kyle Anderson, I believe, got the other two. So I still think Brandon Clark's the the logical starter, but I wouldn't be shocked if they also use Xavier Tillman, like you mentioned. Um, but both guys were very solid when Jaron Jackson didn't play, scoring in double figures a couple times, getting rebounds. I think uh, there's this one, Xavier Tillman, in the last game uh, in early April that Jaron Jackson missed. 13.6 rebounds, seven assists, and a steal, while Brandon Clark had 11 points, five rebounds, three assists, and two steals. So you mentioned Brandon Clark. I still think Brandon Clark is the obvious guy, uh, but I know you also wanted to talk about Xavier Tillman, and I think that's also a very, very solid option. Yeah, so I'm glad that you brought up Xavier Tillman. Uh, he's another guy who's definitely going to have opportunity to step up uh, with Jaron Jackson Jr., expected to miss extended time. And, you know, he wasn't a significant part of the rotation last year because JJJ was healthy. Uh, But during his rookie year, when Jaron Jackson Jr. was only available for 11 games, uh, Tillman actually got 12 starts. And he put in averages of 10.5 points, 7.9 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 1.1 steals, uh, a block on 55.8% shooting from the field and 63.8% at the stripe. Now, that was his rookie season. That was two years ago. He's even better now. Um, So I think that he's going to kind of get the opportunity to showcase himself. Um, And I do think there could be a little bit of a position battle between Tillman and Clark, Uh, you know, assuming that Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to miss extended time. So he's a guy that I like as a a late round pick. I think that Clark is clearly first in the pecking order, but Tillman's a close second. You know, and I also have my eye on guys like uh, Santi Aldama, even the rookie David Roddy. All these young forwards, all these young bigs uh, in Memphis, they're going to have an opportunity to shine while JJJ is out. Yeah, and also Kenny Lofton Jr., the other rookie, uh, who was really exciting during summer league, and I believe in the draft combine as well. He could also be a, a good uh, good fill in as well. And then even after Jaron Jackson Jr.'s back, like you mentioned, they don't want to see any setbacks or re-injuries, so they could still be valuable after that. Yeah. So the only problem with uh, Kenny Lofton Jr. is that he's on a two-way contract, so uh, that means he's going to be limited to a maximum of fifty games. Uh, And, you know, just two-way players rarely uh, make an impact in fantasy hoops, particularly uh, two-way players on uh, playoff teams. So, I don't know, a little bit lower on him. But we're going to talk about Portland next. But before that, it's time for a little ad read. 
Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go ahead and download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in Major League Baseball on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. We also have a special contest on Tuesdays and Thursdays called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to win some cash. All right, uh, moving on to Portland. Uh, so when I was writing up Josh Hart, I just kind of wrote him up. Uh, didn't look at his uh, Yahoo rank or anything. And, um, you know, when he got to Portland last season, a tanking Portland team that was uh, without Simons, Nurkic, and uh, Damian Lillard, he went off. Uh, he scored 19.9 points per game. Uh, 5.4 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 2.4 triples, 1.2 steals, and 2.5 turnovers per game. Now, small sample size, it was just 13 games. Again, all the stars were out. But, you know, he kind of showed what he's capable of in an ideal situation. And through the year as a whole, uh, even playing a backup role in New Orleans, partnering with the starting role uh, in Portland, he was a top 75 player. Um, so I, I feel like that's his floor. And... He's currently ranked in Yahoo at 142. <laughs> so that means, you know, this is a guy who, in my opinion, has a fairly safe top 75 floor. Now, of course, I'm not expecting him to average 19.9 points per game uh, with everyone on that team healthy. But, you know, Josh Hart is a guy who's kind of capable of doing everything, a little bit of everything without hurting you in any one spot. The rankings could change between now and in by the time we get to, you know, actual <laughs> fantasy drafts. But it kind of seems like you're going to be able to get him with a late round pick, if not a last round pick. Now, I love that for a guy with top 75 floor and possibly top 50 upside. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a guy that I really like. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, he won't score as much as he did, like you mentioned, uh, towards the end of last season. Just because Dame, Anthony Simons will be back and ready to shoot the ball. But Josh Hart's game has never been just scoring. It's always been everything. He's a glue guy. He just kind of fills whatever roles needed. He's a guy you love to have on your team. But he's also a guy that you probably want on your fantasy team just because he just fills. He wears so many hats. You know, if if Dame is out and they need him to score, he can do that. If they need him, you know, as a defender, a facilitator, a, he's a great rebounder for a guard. I think he's a guy that, like you mentioned, if you can get him in the last round for sure, if you need to get him a few rounds before that, go ahead and I'd say go for it because like you mentioned, top 75 floor. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I mean, if he can go even higher than that, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, and like you said, he's stepping into C.J. McCollum's role. Uh, C.J. McCollum had a very important role on this Portland team. So, you know, I'm not worried about him suddenly falling off a cliff with Damian Lillard back. I mean, they paid him $100 million million this offseason. They're expecting him to be a key piece to this team. So, yeah. Not worried about Simons. I think that he'll be a fun guy to roster this upcoming season. Uh, Moving along to Houston, I believe you had uh, a point guard you wanted to touch on. Yeah, the point guard for Houston, Kevin Porter Jr. Now that uh, they let Dennis Schroeder go, I don't don't even think Schroeder signed anywhere, but I can probably basically guarantee that they're not going to bring him back. So this is uh, KPJ's team to run. Um, He's fighting for a contract at this point, like playing for a contract. He doesn't I believe if uh, he doesn't get some sort of extension, he can be a restricted free agent or get a qualifying offer next summer. Um, so he's going to want to try and prove that he deserves to be the point guard long-term. Um, and over the final month of the season, I believe he was a top 50 guy in nine cat. Um, so, you know, obviously with teams practically tanking and just resting guys, Houston never really did that, which was, very encouraging if you're going to take Houston guys that down the stretch, they weren't like, eh, let's improve our lottery odds. Like let's bench these guys. They did it the right way and still had the best odds. They saw the worst record in the league. So there's no real competition for him. Um, Ty Ty Washington, they just drafted, but I mean, KPJ would have to be very, very bad to start the season for them to just hand the keys to Ty Ty right off the bat. So I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying he's gonna be a top 50 guy, but um he definitely has the potential to be better than his rank, which I don't know if, off the top of my head if you have it. I'm looking at KPJ's stats over the final month of last season, and honestly, they're surprising me. Uh, 20.4 points, 5.4 boards, 6.6 dimes to steal, uh, 0.6 blocks. And here's the things that sticks out to me, 44.2% shooting from the floor, 80% at the stripe, and just 2.6 turnovers per game. Uh, you know, the thing with KPJs, it's always like, can you not kill me in three categories? Can you not kill me in field goal, free throw, and turnovers? And, I mean, it looks like the answer to that is yes. Uh, it's a small sample size. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't expect him to suddenly become a... a 45%-ish shooter for an entire season. Uh, But in head-to-head leagues, you can kind of take the good with the bad a little bit easier. Um, So yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting to me. Uh, He was, he was a little bit off my radar, but I think I'm, I'm coming around a little bit (laughs) uh, to KPJ uh, looking at those last month stats. And uh, I do think it's important that he's in a contract year because um, you know, he's clearly not a max contract player, so he's going to have to show two teams, uh, can he, one, can he be a starting point guard? 
and um, you know exactly how much is he worth. So yeah, I think that that's a that's certainly an interesting uh, name there. But uh, to close us out today, I think that you would like to talk about one of my personal favorite players. Uh, we're going to head to Indiana, and we are going to talk about Mr. Isaiah Jackson. Yeah, I'm sure this you already know all the stats. Any stat I bring up about Isaiah Jackson, I'm sure you already have. But one of my favorite stats to look at, especially with guys that just don't get a ton of playing time, is the per 36 stats. Um, last season per 36, he averaged 19.8 points, 9.9 rebounds, 1.7 steals, and 3.5 blocks. Um Unfortunately, I believe with that, it was also 6.1 fouls. So it's pretty much off the table that he'd be able to actually uh, play that much, especially with the other bigs they have there and just being a young team, not really competing. They probably won't play anybody 36 minutes a game, but the potential is definitely there. We talked about Jaron Jackson Jr. earlier. Um, Obviously, Isaiah Jackson doesn't have quite the hype level of being a top five pick, but he seems like a guy to me that, has all the fantasy potential in the world, especially as a shot blocker. He just can't stay out of foul trouble. Yeah, I mean, that's something that young bigs tend to struggle with, but I'm pretty confident that he'll be able to turn it around. I'm pretty much 100% in on Isaiah Jackson. And uh, looking at his Yahoo rank of 340-something, it's pretty obvious that you're going to be able to get him with a last-round pick. And I think that is an incredibly enticing uh, last round pick Uh, so that's all we got for you today Noah I appreciate you joining me on the pod Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up and we will see y'all next Friday adios Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.